Blog Talk Radio. Pretend that airplanes in the night sky like shooting stars. I can't really use a wish right now, wish right now, wish right now. Can we pretend that airplanes in the night sky like shooting stars? I can't really use a wish right now, wish right now, wish right now. Yo, I'm already grown, but it's hard to be like a man that I've never known. It's hard to change a picture of this man that I've grown, but I open up my arms like welcome to my home. Well, at least that's what I tell them, but before I say bye, the niggas already gone. So I take them on my heart, but I store them in my phone. I don't really need them, but my sister's feeling all alone. Yeah, and it's the same old song The only time he calls is when he asking for a loan I always say yeah, cause I love him and I'm strong But I hate the fact he only say he love me on the phone And I've done this on my own I've become my own man and you can write that on my stone I put that on my sons, well should I say my clones And my daughters need their father so they'll never be alone I did this shit right cause he only showed me wrong And I just snatched it off my chest and then I placed it on the phone before I notice the pain, the memory is gone My kids took away my kids, but placed me on the throne Now I'm in my zone, an old school feel Like the 64 Apollo or the 83 bone A nigga still smile when the memory is gone But a nigga still cry if I think about my mom And that's a whole nother story Try to visualize the past, but this shit is kinda blurry The brown paper bags and you touching on the 40 I'm touching on the promise, gotta lie to my sister My brother need his father, but he turned to his brother So I turned to the street to take the pressure off my mother I did this for my kids, nieces, nephews, and my cousins But before they feel my pain, man, fuck it, I will suffer Cause I'm a little tougher, raised by the gutter, Louisville slugger Thanks to my moms and I swear I really love her And I love my pops the same and I say that no stutter But now I'm getting older, my pops is getting older But he thinks he's getting younger I put the bullshit aside and place it in my folder Well leave it where it's at and take the pressure off my shoulders And them demons off my back, my head's all clear, my kids Yeah, we're going to pump the brakes right there and say welcome to the show, everyone. This is your host, Lamont Patterson, and you are listening to I Am Indie. Hope everyone is well today. Hump day, hump day. We made it this far, so, you know, with big boys, blessings upstairs, we're going to make it the rest of the way. Um, Today, we have a great show lined up for you. Very, very... um, Great show. We have this gentleman, Mr. Ronald Russell Farnham, that's going to be joining us. Matter of fact, let me see if he's in the building. What's Mr. up, Mr. Farnham? I'm in the building. Oh, there he is. There he is. I was wondering if your private plane got held up at LAX. You know how busy the airport gets sometimes, and I know how it is with yeah. stars and <laughs> stars at landing. Security these days, days, you know, even the stars have to go through security. Yes, yes, yes. Well, you got it. You got it. Oh, man, good. I'm glad you uh, was able to join us today, man, and uh, I'm sure you got a lot of information, and I'm sure our listeners will be able to um, enjoy and learn a lot from uh, your journey and this um, wonderful business that we're in. Yeah. I'm hoping to give them some insight that they might not have ever heard before so that's usually my goal when I do an interview and and, and, and that's great man because that's right in line with the stuff that I like to hear the stuff that everybody don't hear and everybody that don't know but uh, uh, Mr. Farham give me a second let me give you a brief interview and then we can I mean a brief interview a brief <laughs> introduction and okay. uh, we could jump in here um Today we got Mr. Ronald Russell Farnham, who is a produced screenwriter, published author. He's a reality show uh, runner, host. He's produced and directed episodic content and documentaries that resulted in three ongoing reality shows. And he's also had appearances on live television. Uh, recently he released his music video, Love at First Sight, that I'm going to love to talk about, that he wrote and directed. He has also appeared on Guinness World Record, which we're going to talk about, too. Uh, he was a spokesperson for uh, was it Louisiana Ice-T. Uh, he starred yep. in a movie produced by uh, the members of Steve Miller's band, great band. He played the lead role of uh, R.P. Murphy in the state production of uh, Cuckoo's Nest. 
he played Bill in the stage production of On Golden Pond, and he played the role of Nick in the stage production of Over the River and Through the Woods. And um, I'm going to stop right there because we can go on another 30 minutes. So <laughs> we going let you talk about you for a minute, uh, Mr. Farham. All right. Um, well, you covered a lot. Um, I guess we could go into uh, the film business. I I really started learning a lot about feature films when I was living in Los Angeles and um, just got to see some of the top directors and actors working on their craft. And that's when I, I had gone out there as an actor, and that's when I really started understanding the, the movie-making business. So that's really what got my interest, and I've always loved movies. I'm sure you do, too. Yes. Question, uh, uh, were you, were you, I noticed you, you've done a music video, so I, I know that you have to have music in your heart as well. So what was your first interest? Was it music or the movie business or the mu- movie, then the music? Well, when I was a little kid, I always wanted to be a stuntman in Hollywood. My dad loved, and my mom loved John Wayne. And John Wayne, I don't know if you know, he started out as a stuntman, and then he just wound up, you know, transitioning into a, a world-famous actor. So I always loved the entertainment business. Plus, I played baseball growing up. So as a kid, and I'm left-handed, and I was always a left-handed pitcher. So I spent a lot of time in the middle of the baseball field on the mound holding the ball with everybody waiting for me to throw it. And I just kind of, once I started getting up on the stage a lot, like in that sense, or even in doing theater as a kid, I just got hooked on it, and I like being able to make things happen, you know. I like being able to take an idea now from my mind, just coming up with one little concept, and then turning that into an entire story, and then making it all happen, and and then that finished product, you know. And, And I also usually put um, some quality messages in whatever I'm producing. Well, well, that that whole part right there is an interesting concept. I guess from the coming up with the idea or creating an idea and and seeing it all through, you know, to the screen. I mean, that that yeah. whole thing process is mind-boggling within itself. Yeah, it is. In fact, I had to. I kind of. You know, I had to come up with a process that worked for me to, to make a movie. And so I studied a lot of screenplays, and I and I studied, you know, some of the um, authors that wrote books about screenplays. And then I just kind of developed a, a process that worked. And um, I turned that into a book, How to Write a Screenplay in 30 Days or Less, which wound up happening as a byproduct of, of someone hiring me me to write a screenplay for them, uh, which I did, and I took that person through a process, and he said, you know, you should turn that process that you took me through into a book, and so I was like, all right, and I'll do, I did that, and it just kind of took off from there, and, you know, going back to your first comment about the music industry, I was, I went, I was raised in Catholic school, and so I, I was in the choir as a kid, so I, I've been singing since I was a little kid you know, in the school choirs. And then I got into, like, my cousin was really into music, too, and him and I, I started playing the drums. He played the guitar and sang, and we formed our own band. And then when I was in the military, I hooked up with some people, and we formed bands in the military. And and then I just uh, always was a drummer and a singer. And then I decided to learn how to play. And I played the piano as a kid, too, so I used to take piano lessons. And then I decided to learn how to play the guitar, and um, I just started fooling around with chords, you know, chord combinations. And then I just figured out a few chord combinations, and then I kind of just let the words come out of me, however it came out, and then I wound up with Love at First Sight, and then a couple other songs, and I've been able to start incorporating those songs into my movies and reality shows and stuff like that. Now that's amazing, because you're doing exactly what I want to do. I guess I am doing. Oh that. man, I'm willing to help you with that. If you want to do that, I can I can guide you if you'd like. Uh, all right, man. Well, I'm gonna hold you to that. I'm sure my assistant is listening to the show too, so we're gonna hold you to that one. So as we get off. Yeah, you know, when we're done, I'll email you the uh, How to Write a Screenplay in 30 Days or Less book, which teaches you how to write your screenplay in 30 days or less, how to turn your screenplay into a published book, 
and then how to take your screenplay and turn it into a movie or even sell the script to a studio. But, you know, a lot of it comes down to also kind of leadership skills and charisma because I have to go out and hire, you know, a DP to run the camera, hire sound people, and and then cast, and then and then direct people on set and understand a film set. So there's a lot that goes into it, but it's totally, you know, it's being done every day out in Hollywood and all over the world, really. Right. Well, uh, definitely we're going to have a conversation about all of that because uh, my publishing company, we've published several books, uh, one of them from a very uh, high-profile situation that we wish to see become a movie. So we'll, we'll yeah. definitely talking to you um, about that as well. Um, yeah, and yeah, these days I, I, with video on demand, you can you can really self-publish your movies now, which is it's breaking the market wide open for independent producers. Instead of having to try and pitch your movie to a studio or, you know, take your finished product and try and get distribution through them, you know, things are pulling back from the theaters a little more. Now everybody's being able to buy their big screen TVs, stream movies on demand at home. And it's opening a lot more content up. It's, you know, kind of YouTube paved the way for that. Now it's just blowing up, you know, exponentially. There are 30 different video-on-demand channels out there and counting where you can create your project, monetize it, and let the whole world see what kind of talent you've got. And then you can create your own stardom and put out your own message so that you don't get censored. That was one of the things that I wanted to make sure was, you know, I... I learned a long time ago, or I heard a while ago, hey, you don't, you know, you just want to make your project for entertainment purposes. You don't want to really try and inject a message. And I thought, you know, that's counterintuitive. Everybody who seems to be writing a screenplay has some kind of message they're getting across. They're writing their screenplay out of some type of expertise in which they have knowledge, and why not put out a message? You know, why should we be limited and controlled by mass media conglomerates that are controlling the information flow when we all have our own individual, unique, specific voices. You know what I mean? Right. Totally. Totally. So that's what I'm into. So I'm still interested in the process to how does somebody write a screenplay in 30 days? Well, you have to... Well, the step-by-step process, which is in the, my manual that I told you about, because it's really a manual that if you follow it step-by-step, how to write a screenplay in 30 days or less, your first step is to come up with a title. Title is very important. And one of the interesting things I learned about titles is, is that you, can, you can't really copyright a title. But you, you could make a movie called Star Wars if you wanted to. Now, you might not be, you're not going to be able to take their characters and their story plotline and, and copy it because then that's copyright infringement. But you want to come up with a title, and you can make a title anything you want, even if you've heard, you know, even if it's already got a title out there under the same name, but if it fits your movie, then you can do that. Then you want to come up, and so title is important. Then you want to come up with a theme. That's the second part is what is the concept that you are wrapping your story around. For instance, with Hollywood and Vine, the movie I just, my wife and I, we just put out through our production company, Enlightenment Entertainment, um, Hollywood and Vine, the theme there is is that good will triumph over evil. So you want to figure out what your theme is and keep it wrapped around that song, you know, around that theme. And, and then, and then um, three is you want to come up with your log line. For instance, Hollywood and Vine, the logline is, you know, the female messiah of the 21st century teams up with two other female intelligence operatives to help save the world from the global military-industrial complex that's being controlled by the Illuminati and, you know, save the, the planet from World War III. So you come up with a nice 25 words or less uh, logline, and that's your story. Now you start writing the, the backbone and the outline of your of your pl- of your screenplay, so then you go into writing the beginning. That's the next step, and you write um, your beginning, and then the next step is to write your ending, and then the next step is to write your middle, and then once you have your beginning, middle, and ending, which should all take up about three, four pages, then you start breaking Question. that out into a yeah, sure. Question, Mr. Fire. You said, uh, if I heard you correct, you said the beginning, 
and the end, and then you come back to the middle in that order? Mm-hmm. Right. Because, okay, okay you got to write your beginning because first because you got to know who it is, where it's happening, what's going on, and who the characters are. It builds, it, it sets the stage. And then you have to right. know how to get to the ending, so you got to write your ending next because you have to know how your how your story resolves itself and where it's going. And you and you start the ending with the final major plot point that's going to kind of turn the script into another direction and 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 throw the story towards the, that light at the end of the tunnel. Because if you don't have your ending written from your beginning, then you're going to have a hard time navigating your way through the middle. So in my manual. I, I write the. I tell you to write the beginning, then write the ending, and then you can write your middle because then you create the middle is really a whole bunch of plot points and obstacles for the main characters that they're going to have to go through to build dramatic tension to get to to the ending, and so that's why I recommend I teach write your beginning, then write your ending, and then then work on your middle. Great, that's that's some powerful information right there because it. Seem here recently. I'm surrounding myself uh, with a lot of actors and uh, writers and people trying to get their content from this place to another. So it's very good to know that there is an order yeah. to doing things. There definitely is a structure and an order. And you know, it's funny when I work with actors on set, like uh, when I'm shooting a movie. In fact, we just shot the other day. I usually tell my actors, you know, when we're going to shoot a scene okay, look, here's what the lines are, but here's what the what we're trying to accomplish with this theme. Here's what the main themes and messages are. So even if you kind of go outside the lines a little bit and you um, improvise, as long as you stay within the context of the material, the acting can be more organic, more natural when you let the actor kind of run with the lines a little bit, you usually wind up with something more magical than how it was scripted on the paper, you know? So when you start directing, if you get into directing, or at least even producing and working with a director, let your actors know they have some flexibility with the way that they're going to present the material because it really makes things sound and come across more real. You know what I mean? So that's one of the things that I recommend. And I guess I hear so much synergy between this and and, and the music business because I, I used to tell my uh, artists that it was hard for me to work with an artist that had an exclusive production deal because they need to work with multiple producers because every producer bring out something different. So they need uh, that room so they can be creative and, and be the artist. But uh-huh. I see that same as with actors as well. Yeah, you want to be able to have creative freedom and as an actor and a performer and a songwriter, but still stay within the context of the theme, really, and the log line. But you're going to get more out of your your people that you're working with when you give them the flexibility to let their creative side pour out and, and give you something more to that. You know, uh, I'm not going to try and take this into a different direction, but I just wanted to make a comment about contracts. When you're working with a producer or a record label, I read a story a while ago about John Fogarty from Creedence Clearwater Revival that um I know he, is. he wrote some yeah, he wrote some songs and and got published through, you know, a label and um they actually took, you know, in the contract they got complete control over his music to where they he really didn't make as much money as he could have. And even when he tried to write more songs on his own, he got sued for sounding like himself in his new music while he was trying to publish songs that didn't that were his but sounded like songs he had written for his the, the record label. And it came down to contract. And I've been studying contracts now and legal ease and the way contracts have been written, and I've come across a guy named David Wynn Miller who has basically shown, and he's a judge's judge. He prosecutes judges, and he's into proper syntax and the way words are used in contracts. And if you study him, and I recommend anybody who's stuck in a contract that they're not happy with, that they're going to learn that all contracts are written in the wrong syntax and are basically invalid. Even when you sign something, if you sign a contract with squiggly lines that is supposed to be your name, it renders the contract invalid. What you want to learn about is in, instead of using the signature, you want to use 
your autograph, and you want to have, make sure the contract is properly syntaxed. And if it's not, then you can get out of contract legally. So I just wanted to run that by. If you wind up making a movie and you sign a contract for distribution and then you wind up getting stolen from or kind of held back by the production company, the distribution company, the studio, or the record label, or whoever it is that has control over your intellectual property, you always have a way out because these people are ruthless, soulless, bloodthirsty, money-hungry kind of criminals in a way. Not all of them, but you're going to come across that in the entertainment business because they're there to make money. While you might be a creative individual who wants to get your message and your stuff out there, you're going to have to protect yourself. So I just wanted to put that out there for people who are going into the entertainment business. Look up David Wynn Miller and learn about proper syntax. And Wynn is W-Y-N-N. So that's really important info. Yeah. That's David Wynn Miller, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look him up on YouTube. He's got some great information out there. Yeah, definitely. That's fantastic. Good information. Cause I think in the last 30 years in, in um, the music side of the business, I think I've written, uh, read more contracts than my attorneys because every contract they read, I end up having to read it also. So it's good yeah. to have some knowledge of agreements. And I tell people all the time, you know, one word can change a whole agreement. Yes, totally. And, you know, the word attorney itself is um, someone who works there just to represent you because an attorney is hired for people who are incapable of legally speaking for themselves. So you're really considered anyone who goes into court or anywhere and has an attorney representing them, they're basically saying that they're an imbecile and they cannot speak for themselves. So before you do hire an attorney, it's true. It's true. So, you know, you got to be careful. Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. What you say, when you go into a court with an attorney, you basically say you're an imbecile and you can't represent yourself. Exactly. That is that is direct to the point. So out of all <laughs> the hats you all the all the hats you wear, where where is your passion? Is it in the, the, the production side, the writing side, or where where is your heart? I really love directing and writing, but I love being on set, managing a film set, setting up the scene, getting the actors together, explaining how things are going to go, what we're going to do, you know, working that camera angle, turning it around, getting the other angles, and then, you know, just having it all come together at the end of the day and having fun. And I think I got that because I got into doing live theater a lot, and I watched some good theater directors and I was and I was directed as an as a theater actor and I just love the whole process of preparing for a stage play and going through the process of rehearsal, blocking and, and all that and that really lends itself to making a feature film, which I did I worked on so many film sets that when I was living in Los Angeles I really got to see some of the you know, some really good directors work and, and watch some of the top tier actors at their craft, you know, how passionate they are. So I really love directing. It's probably my top passion. What made you to see what made you decide to leave Los Angeles? Well, I um I was I had just wrapped on Hollywood and Vine, my wife and I had, and and um my wife's grandmother got sick in Florida. So we went there to help. She was 96. So we went, I told my wife, I was like, look, you know, um, this is your grandmother. She's only going to pass away one time. She's used to you being around. Let's go there and just help her transition. And while I was there, uh, I started writing another screenplay for my uh, nieces and nephews because they're all really talented kids. And I started writing a screenplay horoscope that we were going to film on location in Florida. And so we just wound up um, going to Florida. I finished the script, and now we're in the middle of filming that movie, uh, Horror Scope, which is about a band of kids, five, you know, these musicians, and they want to be YouTube sensations like Justin Bieber. But they get the one of them gets the idea about to be, you know, famous like those guys. You got to sell your soul to the devil. So the one girl, she starts doing research on how can we sell our soul to Satan so we can be famous. Basically, the moral of the story is, is don't sell your soul for fame and fortune. 
And uh, so it's a horror kind of tragedy, um, and that's what it's about. And we've shot about nine or ten scenes already, and we got about 45 more scenes to shoot. And I think we're going to shoot a couple this weekend. And I think Sunday, right before the Super Bowl, we're going to shoot and Saturday. So that's why we're staying here in Florida. And then I just started writing another um, screenplay about it's a, I want to make a really good baseball movie, and i kind of going to – I already got the outline structured, and so I think I'm going to do that one in Florida. And then when we're done here in Florida, we're going to go to New York next to make our next uh, movie there. So we like traveling around all over doing uh, our own stuff because I don't like being – my wife and I love to travel. We don't want to be bound by one place, and um, we're planning on shooting all over the world. Once we're done in the United States, we want to go overseas. I'd like to shoot something in Ireland, something in France. And just keep on going. That's fantastic. That's definitely the goal. Hey, uh, real real quickly, uh, for those who just joined us, we're talking to Mr. Ronald Russell Farham, a director, producer, writer, actor. Uh, if you'd like to join the conversation, uh, press number one on your phone. We'll let you join the conversation. I'm sure we'll all like to hear from you. Now is a chance. If you got great questions about the entertainment, uh, the movie business, now is the time. Or you can sit there and don't ask questions and listen. That's fine, too. Mm-hmm, question, yeah. Mr. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, man. Bad when you get old, your mind just goes just like that. I know. For, mean, for, my wife for, and I, for, uh, stop yeah, the for, uh, yeah, yeah, here it is. Here it is. For those that uh, have content that would like to contact you, are you accepting content from other producers, directors, and writers? Yeah, um, you know, I'm always interested and open to look at other people's stuff whether I get involved or just give feedback and maybe guidance, that's fine because what I learned from the entertainment business is one thing leads to another and it's all about relationships, networking. So I'm always open to see what people are doing, discuss their projects and yeah, even getting involved. If it's something that really like, you know, hits home with me and it's something I feel really passionate about, I'd love to get involved in other projects. I'm always out there too as an actor. I mean, I I uh, I get I have an agent and you know I get auditions and stuff. It's hard to though when you're producing a movie and also just got your time involved there. But I uh, I'm always busy, but I'm always willing to look at other stuff. Right. Uh, well, I guess it'd be a good time right now to do the shameless plug. I mean, throw some information out there where they can contact you. How they can contact? Sure, you can. Um, you can contact me at farnham.ronald at gmail.com, and Farnham is F like in Frank, A-R-N, like in Nancy, H-A-M, farnham.ronald at gmail. You can hit me up on Facebook, um, uh, same name, Ronald Farnham or farnham.ronald. And, uh, in fact, I'd like to offer some of your listeners, um, if, they, if they're really interested in getting into the biz and want to become writers, producers, directors, if they email me, I will send them the um, PDF copy of my manual, How to Write a Screenplay in 30 Days or Less. And then um, I would love to be responsible for helping somebody become successful or people, you know, individuals, many of them become with this. So you can always email me or hit me up on Facebook, and I'd love to help. Thank you for that, uh, Ron. That's fantastic. There's a lot of people out there that need help that don't know where to get it. So now they have no well, excuse. Well, my dad taught me when I was young to kind of be altruistic, you know, give without receipt, without expecting something in return. I think the more I help other people be successful, the more it's going to just kind of come back to me karma-wise. And, you know, and I have everything I need in life, really. So I don't really need anything. I've got a wonderful wife, great family. Um, roof over my head, car to get from point A to point B, my health, you know, projects, products that I've, or intellectual property. So now, uh, that's why I like doing interviews too, because I like to help people. So people contact me. I like to just give, and I don't really care about compensation. This world has kind of become wrapped around 
earning Federal Reserve notes, which already isn't even real money. It's only the value we give it. And I believe there's more value in human beings and helping them and and um, helping people succeed than there is in anything else. Right, right. Man, that's great stuff, great stuff, great stuff, Ron. What, uh, I know we had talked about uh, some of your books. Uh you have anything? That, what books are you publishing now, or next, should I say? Well, I decided, you know, um, to turn all of my screenplays into published books. So I have How to Write a Screenplay in 30 Days or Less, which I mentioned. Also, um, I told you how Hollywood and Vine, the movie now, is out on Amazon Prime. So if you want to go see a finished product, go get on Amazon Prime, search for Hollywood and Vine. And the book is also out there. So when I finished shooting Hollywood and Vine, when it was finished, I took a look at the movie and I rewrote the script based on how the the script actually, you know, the movie came out. And then I turned that into a book and I published the book based on on the movie. And then uh, I have another book. So Hollywood and Vine is also a book out on Amazon, which gets into a little more of the esoteric stuff that didn't really get into the movie because I expanded on it a little more. That's the thing. I teach you to write your screenplay and then turn it into a book. I also have another book out there called The Second Coming of the Messiah. I wanted to really create the character of the Messiah and what the Messiah is and, and this individual who leads the world to freedom and sovereignty, ending war and poverty, lead us into a thousand years of peace, kind of go through the rapture process where we all turn our, our backs on the global military-industrial complex or the earth-wide military-industrial complex, because I don't even really know if we're on a spinning globe. I called NASA and asked them to show me video footage of the earth spinning on its axis out in space, and they said they don't have any. So that kind of raised a red flag for me. And I'm also working on my next book, which is going to be based on the um, – it's going to be Horoscope based on this movie. And i got about three other books I'm working on. One's called uh, The People versus the United States of America which is about how the United States of America is a corporation posing as a government that's invaded the United States by Northern Command. I used to be a counterterrorism analyst for the Department of Defense, and I totally learned the way the Department of Defense is just a department for a corporation that's oppressing all living souls and has kind of converted them to persons, individuals, residents, citizens, domiciles, and taxpayers. So i got a lot of stuff coming out. If you follow me and, and keep up, It'll uh, it'll enlighten you to the true nature of reality, or at least more than what you're getting from the nightly news. Well, I'm sure we'll keep up and catch up. That's not going to be an issue there. Um, out of your military experience, um, I don't know. I didn't hear anything about you doing any uh, military-type movies, or did I miss that? seemed like you would have done that. Well, the book the book that's out right now, The Second Coming of the Messiah, is kind of an autobiographical... It, it, it's. I really wrote it as a sequel to the Bible. If you watch Hollywood and Vine the movie, you'll see that the Messiah... It's about the Messiah coming to Hollywood with her book, The Second Coming of the Messiah, that she wrote, where she had worked at the Pentagon, left the military-industrial complex, decided to come to Hollywood and save the world from the military and these governments, these corporations that are posing as government. And I, I held a top-secret clearance for 13 years and worked for the Department of Defense as an intelligence analyst, manager, trainer, linguist. And um, so the second coming of the Messiah is about this Messiah character who works at the Pentagon and becomes disenfranchised and disenchanted with and from the global military-industrial complex or the earthwide military-industrial complex and, and decides create the plan to take down the the, the military-industrial complex and save the world. So one of the movies I'm going to do, I don't know when, because it's going to have to be shot in several different locations, is going to be The Second Coming of the Messiah. That's going to be three movies, The Second Coming of the Messiah, Part 1, The Awakening, where the comes the Messiah, and then Part 2, The Apocalypse, and then Part 3, A Thousand Years of Peace. And um, that way I can show the people for all living souls, the direction that we can go in to save ourselves from oppression and slavery and and just war and poverty, which is really what's going on across Earth right now. Right, true. Hopefully it don't get worse. Well, if you 
one of the things I put in Hollywood and Vine is that the military-industrial complex is following the Three World Wars plan that was um, written out by Albert Pike, a uh, war general um, um, of the uh, military. And it basically, we're in the middle of the Third World War, which is the global war on terror, which is designed to take down both Christianity and Islam at the same time and then bring out the Luciferian doctrine, which is really about how all all of existence is really light wave energy that we're transcribing as a physical experience, but it's really light wave energy with the ones and zeros computer code at its base, and that there's a very strong probability that we are living on a flat infinite plane inside of an analog computer simulation or a simulation that's being put out by the aura borealis out of the North Pole, and we might actually be living in some type of a torrid field, not a spinning globe, but more of an energy pattern, and our soul is experiencing reality, apparent physical, but it's really not. It's just an experience. So it's pretty deep subject, but I'm injecting that information into my books and movies. That's heavy also. Definitely heavy. Wrap your mind around it. Life and reality so, is not what you've been trained to believe that it is. The Department of Education is a department of a corporation posing as a government, and their agenda is to train you to serve their system and believe what they want you to believe. So I can totally believe that. You know, I can tell you, and I even put it in more simplistic uh, terms, Mr. Farnham. I, I tell a lot of my friends, the person that created the game also created the rules. Yeah. That's true. That's right. And there are rules to every game, you know. And if you can learn the rules, which I think, you know, esoteric ceremonies, um, which is what I put in this movie Horoscope that we're filming right now, there are doorways into the power of energy. And if you understand the code words and the ceremonies, then you can take a little bit more control over your apparent physical reality. And there are rules and vibrations and tones, music and sounds all play into the fabric of this reality and how you can control it. But you have to, you know, expose yourself to the information and, and try and practically apply it so that you can you can change things, make things happen the way you want them to. It's basically dark and white magic working together. In fact, my wife and I called um, Daniel Moore... He wrote the song Shambhala that was made famous by the group Three Dog Night. And he said he came up with the lyrics and wrote them down in 15 minutes on the Long Island Expressway after he had read the book uh, Treatise on White Magic. And the, the song just came to him. And, and that's basically about what po- where paradise possibly is. And one of the lines in that song is, how do the walls light up in the halls of Shambhala? And it takes you into this otherworldly area, possibly paradise, inside this tourist field, and um, that we're in which we're living. So there's a lot of info going on out there. You just have to search for it and, and try and understand it. You know. Yes, and that's usually not in the United States, unfortunately. Yeah, most most people don't even know the difference between the United States and the United States of America. I mean, we call the United States, the United States is a series of countries that have their own sovereign boundaries. Like right now I'm in Florida. Florida is its own country. It's got its own territory. It's got its own laws, its own codes, its own jurisdiction. And you have the United States of America, which is a corporation in Washington District of Columbia. And they've actually invaded the United States via Northern Command and have military occupation over this land, all of the land. I used to work at Southern Command as a counterterrorism analyst, and I turned over my reporting uh, to Northern Command when they stood up in around 2002, 2003, because their area of responsibility is Canada and Mexico. So you got the United States of America, a corporation with different departments, one of them being the Department of Defense, has different commands that, that has military control over all of their different areas of operation across Earth, one of them being Northern Command, where they've occupied the United States militarily, and now they're using their J-2, which is the intelligence section, to use all source intelligence, all forms of intelligence collection, to gather information on all living souls in their area of responsibility. 
it's kind of crazy what's really going on, and most people are totally ignorant to it, not because of their own fault, but you get distracted. Like you hear about people like Edward Snowden who brought out the whole NSA thing. Well, I wouldn't worry about so much the National Security Agency as I would about Northern Command if you're living here in the United States. So, and and you can go to northcom.mil and see that it's indeed a command and its area of responsibility is, in fact, Canada, the United States, and Mexico. Wow. I told you I'd bring out some information that your listeners hadn't heard of, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, and you are. And I am, I know. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to turn people off and, and make them think I'm against America, because I'm not. I'm for us living souls living here in the United States and all across Earth. But I'm, I am against corporations posing as government, oppressing living souls, forcing Federal Reserve notes upon us and making us work for companies that are undervaluing us as living souls and human beings. You know, why are we only supposed to be getting paid 8 or $9 an hour minimum wage so that we can barely take our family out to a night out on the town to go to the movies and have dinner? You know, we've, we've been enslaved into this monetary system by the Federal Reserve Banking Syndicate, and they're forcing us to use these fiat currency, the Federal Reserve notes, that are not even money. Gold and silver is money. Federal Reserve right. notes are promissory notes. And you can actually write your own promissory note, sign it, and tender it for value, and it's supposed to be accepted by the banks. Otherwise, they're committing misconduct in public office. Um, I'm actually working on a class action lawsuit because I've tendered um, over $150 million in promissory notes to 16 different banks, the IRS, the U.S. Treasury, um, the, the California State Franchise Tax Board, and they've all dishonored my promissory notes because they're, they're criminals. They don't want you to have your value. They, don't, they want you to have to get up and go to work in the morning for some company, whether you're happy about it or not. It's a slave system. We're all slaves. This isn't even a racial issue anymore. If you're a living soul, you've been converted into an individual, a person, a resident, a citizen, and domiciled, and taxpayer. Those are all terms that put you under the jurisdiction of these corporations that are posing as government. I agree. <laughs> I'm sitting here in awe because I, I, I totally agree. And... Um... You know, and I, I want wish. your listeners to know that, you know, I'm putting out this information so that they can start wrapping their head around a new way of seeing their reality. But I also want to help them. Everyone's got a voice. That's why I'm so proud of Emmanuel, How to Write a Screenplay in 30 Days or Less, because everybody has a story. Everybody has a message. Don't let somebody tell you not to put your message into your story. Have your message. Put it in there. You know, if it's about an injustice, write a story about it. Make your movie. Write your book. Do it. People need to start feeling comfortable about having a voice. I, I saw on the news the other yesterday about this teacher who's being now, you know, criminalized basically out in California for saying that our military is filled with idiots and blah, blah, blah. And he said a bunch of negative things. Well, they're going to – it seems like they're inciting – inciting some type of negativity about anybody who wants to speak their mind negatively about the U.S. of A. Corporation. You know, they are a military, and they, and they are oppressing living souls. And don't be scared to express your opinion, no matter how much the mass media is trying to squash your mind and your voice. Don't let them do it. Have a voice, be heard, and get your message out there. It's very important. Otherwise, we're going to lose our grip on our, on our sovereignty and on our freedom. And it's not right. We are living souls being treated as, as uh, taxpayers and citizens. And you don't want to be any of that. It's, it's funny how um, uh, freedom of uh, speech only applies when they want it to. Yeah, right? They can say whatever they want, but when someone tries to, you know, take a notch down on them and bring them down a little bit and make them um, liable for their actions and responsible for crimes, they don't want to take themselves, they're, they're not going to let it happen. They just take the one person and, and they'll make an example out of them so that they put fear into the public. It's sad. Well, that's the rules they created to their game. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> it. It's their rules, their game. 
yep. sick and twisted, really. Yeah, and all about power at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and they also use words of art, um, words of trickery. When you go into, let, let, let's say you get pulled over by a police officer and he wants to see your driver's license, you know, if you're not driving for some company as a driver with a class, you know, B or A CDL license, then you're not a driver. You're just traveling. You're going from point A to point B to get your groceries. Yet, and if you try and express that to them, they'll yank you, they'll bust your window, pull you out through the window, handcuff you, bang your head against the ground, and drag you off to jail and then force you to give them your fingerprints and picture. And it's just, uh, it's disgusting. And it's happening all over. It's it's horrible. You, if you try and stick up for yourself, you got four or five like armed men wearing badges going under false names like Sergeant Johnson, and those names aren't even registered with the Secretary of State to write tickets and contracts. Um, and they're abusing the system. It's it's criminal. It's really criminal. And I know the way out though. I I've been um, studying the path to freedom now from uh, SCDM.org. Uh, and if you read the Path to Freedom, it's got the step-by-step process to remove yourself from the jurisdiction of the U.S. of A. Corporation. And I'm putting that Wait, in one of my screenplays. What is that again, Ronald? S? S like in Sam, E, D like in dog, M like in Mary, org. It's Sovereignty Education Defense Ministry. And basically, it's got the Path to Freedom document in there that you can download for free, and it takes you through the step-by-step process on how to remove yourself from the jurisdiction of the U.S. of A. Corporation or any corporation posing as a government. You become a non-individual, non-person, non-resident, non-citizen, non-domiciled, and non-taxpayer. And you go back to living soul status, and you create the legally admissible, admissible court evidence documentation that removes you from the jurisdiction of the corporations that are posing as government so that they cannot tax you, you're not domiciled. You know, you're, you come from, you're here on vacation in this domain from the kingdom of heaven or whatever that is, wherever your soul came from. And if you say you have a domicile, then you're falling under a specific jurisdiction. Like, say, for instance, I'm in Florida. Florida has a jurisdiction. If I have a, driver's, a Florida driver's license, now I'm showing with court-documented evidence that I fall under their jurisdiction, and they can haul my vessel away against my will because they have the certificate of live birth, which is the master title document to my vessel. My body is the vessel that houses my soul. They can haul me away because I don't have the master title. I just have a birth certificate, which is just a copy of your certificate of live birth. So it's, you know... But there's a lot to it, but so, once you get into it and you start retraining your mind to see the world for what it really is, you get more power and control. You can reverse control. And I put that in Hollywood and Vine. At the end of the movie, you'll see the Messiah is being interviewed, and she talks about how the police and military are quitting around across the earth and that the powers that be have no power. They Now we, the people, have the powers and the numbers and the momentum, and they, they can't control us anymore. And that's the goal of that movie is to show us how to regain control over ourselves instead of being controlled. And that's powerful within itself. Control is everything. Everybody's trying to get control of something. Uh, Right. You know, uh, I'm not just trying to write... Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, I was going to ask, is your show still, uh, your video still on YouTube or uh, video on demand channels? Yeah. um, You mean um, the Ronald Show? Yes. Well, some of them are. I have a few um, episodes out there that are out there because the music and and, um, some of the video in there is licensed. But for the most part, I'm remastering them to put them up on the video-on-demand sites. I love to edit. That's one of my other passions. I like to edit. And so the Ronald Show is going to be remastered and put in as a series on um, Amazon Prime first and then some of the other video-on-demand sites like Gumroad and Pivot Share. And I want to get into Hulu and Voodoo too, but I'm going to stay away from Netflix because they just seem to kind of be dwindling. They don't have the content. So you'll be able to um, see them coming soon on 
on Amazon Prime, uh, The Ronald Show. And my wife and I also have The Ronald and Tracy Show or The Tracy and Ronald Show. And um, so we're working on that, too. But I have so much editing to do that uh, it takes a while, you know, to edit it. I know. You have to be awful... You have to be an awful, awful focused guy to love editing, to sit there and watch stuff over and over and over again. Yeah, I know. I like it, though. I've been editing since I was a little kid. I used to take records and record them onto the cassette tape, or I would listen to the radio and record my favorite songs onto the cassette tape. Remember when you used to make, like, a tape for girls or your friends or whatever and, and make all your <laughs> songs, so... I've been doing that, and then I started getting hey, into that, like that was that was the music. hey look that was that was your story at that time, huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That These was your my story. Songs. Yeah. So I've been editing my whole life, and I like it. Yeah, it does take time, but I uh, I like doing it because it's so much fun to take the video footage and the sound and the music and the special effects and the sound effects and put them all together and uh, come up with a finished product. I'll tell you, as long as you have enough RAM in your computer, it makes it go a little bit faster. So it's not that bad these days now with the technology they have. I I use Adobe Premiere Pro CS6 right now, but I think I'm going to upgrade soon to CC because it does its own closed captioning. So what do you think about this whole digital era where we went from uh, film to digital stuff? Well, film has its own unique look, you know, 24 frames per second is used to. And the cool thing is, is I can shoot a movie at 30 frames per second in 2K or 4K, and then even up to 60 frames a second, depending on if I want to to use slow motion. And then when I drop all that footage into the editing, you know, um, software into Adobe, when I render it out, I can render it out as 24 frames per second, so it's got that film look to it. Plus, if I shoot my scenes the right way and I and I have my depth of field set the way I need it to be, I can give myself, you know, a, a film look. And then when it renders it down even further, when you do the output file, it, you know, I can make it look like a, um, a, a film instead of a digital film. So I, I like it because... It gives you more um, flexibility. It's You don't have to be as precise. I like to shoot at a higher frame rate so that I have a clear picture if I need to stretch something out a little bit. And then I can render it down to 24 frames per second so that it, it looks like a nice film look, like it was shot on celluloid instead of uh, digital. Okay. Man. I like One of the yeah. One other quick question. If you're a producer, or should I say a writer, and you have a script, is there any particular way to uh, approach an investor for funding? Um, well, for me, it's been relationship-driven. Now, you got a couple of different routes. If you want a studio to invest in your script, you're going to need an, a literary agent. Um, who's going to be able to be your voice in the studio um, and get you get your foot in the door there where a studio might finance your project. But that's kind of, that's the t- I think that's the toughest way to go about it. There are different um, platforms out there where you can go and find investors like Investor.com. You can look for venture capitalists and angel investors, hedge fund managers, um, and I've gone through that route, too. Um, I was attempting to finance a $25 million film for a long time, and I went through the process for about three to five, about three or four years trying to raise $25 million for a feature film, and it was just taking forever. It's, it's really hard to raise enough money to make your movie if you want to make it with bankable actors and a bankable director. I mean, let's say you write a, a low-budget movie, like low-budget might be $2.5 million. You've got, you're still going to have to hire a bankable director, bankable actors. Some, some of these actors will want fifty, sixty, seventy-five thousand dollars $75,000 just to read your script. You know, you could use GoFundMe. You could use um, Indiegogo or some of those other platforms and try and raise money too. But the best bet, if you're an independent filmmaker and you want to make your movie, is to go buy a camera, Go buy your sound equipment, get some lights, 
at your editing software and just go make it yourself. And these days with video on demand, you're going to you're going to be more satisfied in the end because if you're going to try and and um get into into Hollywood and get in there, you got to have connections. And I lived in Hollywood. I had, you know, some light connections and and I talked to some connected people and it still wound up just being turning out, you know, one kind of closed door after another. Um, unless you have a track record, unless you've created something, I recommend if you want to get your movie made by a studio and you want to raise the money for it, make your first movie or two yourself. Make it good. Just distribute it yourself now with these video-on-demand platforms. Then when you have a track record and you've started making some money, then the studios are going to come after you, and you're not going to have to raise money. They're going to come after you for because they want it. Now you're bankable. They want bankability. Right. They want to know that when they create a movie that you got bankable names in there, people that are selling at the box office. Because, you know, these movie studios are starting to lose money, really, at the box office. Things are becoming more streaming instead of uh, people going to the theaters. And um, entertainment is still huge, but, you know, they don't make the money that they used to. And I think budgets are highly inflated. You know, they might put out a fake budget sometimes that makes it seem like they spent $150 million on their project where, you know, a lot of that is print and advertising and stuff like that. And now theaters are switching over to uh, digital theaters and things are changing. We're in the middle of a, uh, a movie and entertainment revolution. So I recommend before you start trying to raise money and banging your head up against the wall, go ahead and get your equipment. You can even use an iPhone these days and make a movie if you know how to do it right. And just right. make it. Go for it. You've got nothing to lose. And you'll be more satisfied in the end two years later than you would be two years later after getting the door closed on you repeatedly. So go for it yourself. And, and plus you'll have your own equipment. Yeah, exactly. And that lasts forever. As long as you can shoot at a certain frame rate, you know, equipment really doesn't go out of style. You might want the newest and latest gadgets, but these days you can get a, you know, I use the Canon. I use a nice Canon 7D. I have a GoPro. I use my iPhone sometimes. It just depends. If I want to shoot three three angles at the same time, um, it cuts down on my filming day. I can set up three different cameras, capture the same scene at the same moment, three different angles at the same time, and boom, now I've got three angles, and it only took me, you know, 15 minutes instead of five hours, you know, turning it around, setting it up, everything. I like using multiple cameras. And as long as you're shooting at the same frame rate, and these days with the editing software, you don't even have to shoot at the same frame rate. I could shoot on my GoPro at 60 frames a second and shoot on my Canon at 30 frames a second and shoot on my iPhone at, you know, 24 or 30 or 50 frames a second. And then when I drop all the footage into the editing software, it's going to match up all the um, footage so it all goes in there so I can edit it. And then at the end of the day, I can render it all down to 24 frames a second. So you can mix frame rates, mix cameras, and... Um, get your movie done in a lot less time than it might take, you know, otherwise. Thank you. Thank you, man. Well, we're down to our last minute or so of the show, man, and, boy, I know you got a wealth of wealth of information, and I would love to chat with you some more, and as a matter of fact, I will as soon as we off the show. Awesome. Um, I'd love to I, come back. But, come on. but I definitely want to say thank you again for taking this time out, and I'm sure our listeners are going to um, – the ones that haven't heard the show from its entirety, I'm going to tell you you can hear the show in its entirety uh, about two minutes from now, and I'm sure everybody have iHeart, uh, iTunes, uh, Spotify, um, and, well, anyway, Blog Talk Radio. You can pull the show up from anywhere. Just, you know, type in I am Indie, and you'll be able to hear the show from entirety. <laughs> You don't want to miss this. All my actor friends, all my director friends, all my writer friends, you need to go hear the show from the beginning, and so I said that. And thanks again, Mr. Farham. I appreciate you ever so much, and um, wish you the best and all your continued success, sir. Thank you, Lamont. I hope to talk to you again soon, and you guys can all email me, and I'd love to send out my book, How to Write a Screenplay in 30 Days or Less. I appreciate you, sir, and you will be talking to us soon. Thanks again. All right. Appreciate it. Have a good one. You too. That was Mr. Uh, Russell Farham, y'all. Go check out the show from the beginning. You don't want to miss this. And come back and see your boy next week, same time. You don't want to miss. You don't want to miss who's going to be on the show. Lamont K. Diddy, Patterson out. It's just a world movement thing.
Lamont? Hello? Hello? 